Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. The ex-delivery again. Duzzi's header. He's a clinical finisher. Arkadiusz Mili. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Playing again. A goal Oh, Ben Yedda. Beautifully done. Sensational. Hello and welcome to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast as we look back at another thrilling weekend of action in France, but a weekend that was sadly marred by the shameful scenes at the Groupama Stadium on Sunday night. The eagerly anticipated Olympico between Lyon and Marseille had to be abandoned after Dimitri Payet was struck on the head by a bottle thrown from the stands. We'll discuss those events, but uh, I'm pleased to say we'll also talk about football today. As round 14 produced a series of terrific matches, PSG Nice and Rennes were among the big big winners, but uh, Monaco and Lille had to share the points after an exciting 2-2 draw. At the Stade Louis II, welcome uh, to Le Bourgeois, Andy Scott. How are you, Andy? Hello, Matthew. I'm very good, thank you. Yes, we're all still uh, digesting the scenes uh, on on Sunday night. Disappointing, very sad scenes. Andreas... uh, how are you doing? Andreas Evagora is with us this morning. Good to be with you, Matt. Good to have you on after your sparkling debut. No surprise to see uh, you're back in the starting three uh, for for this week's pod. Um, nothing to do with um, with David Cross and be, being unavailable again. It's you know it's a team it's a team game. We've got a strong squad. We're going to start uh, by talking about what happened between Lyon and, and Marseille, and we're going to hear some commentary. Sadly, uh, there was only about two minutes of action. Um, Armel Tangi. Uh, was the uh, person who had the unenviable job of commentating this one. You can hear the uh, welcome that uh, Dimitri Payet is being given by the Lyon fans down to our left this evening. And Payet, I'm afraid to say, has been struck here. And that is absolutely not what you want to see at the start of such a big fixture. Rudy Bouquet is calling the players off the pitch. It's a full bottle as well. That's a shocking image. Yes, well, uh, a sad night for, for French football. A difficult night for Armel Tanguy, who uh, had the uh, yeah the job of doing the World Feed commentary. And, and you have to basically stick stick with it until you know what, what's going on. And it means you could be on air for like four hours and... Uh, Guys, yeah, I mean, it was looking like we were going to restart the game. In the end, uh, the decision was taken to call it off. That decision came quite late in the day. It was close to 11 o'clock local time. Um, but, you know, Andy, it's 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 terrible, isn't it, that we're talking um, about, you know, such a shocking incident. You know, first and foremost, it was such a, an exciting prospect of a game. Um, you know, I guess it doesn't make any difference if it was, a you know, a, an exciting game we were looking forward to or not. But, um yeah, very, very, very sad, isn't it? And Andy, it's not the first time it's happened this season. No, that's what's really incredible is that we're, we're sitting here um, still in November and we've had already several incidents like this uh, in Ligue 1 this season. And of course, the, the big one being in August when when the Nice-Marseille game and other um, big sort of um, hot-tempered um, fixture in, in, in the Ligue 1 calendar was, of course, abandoned for similar reasons. A bottle thrown at Dimitri Payet in, in, in that case in August to refresh our memories, uh, the bottle didn't quite hit him and Payet threw it back at the crowd and it led to 
to um, ugly scenes on, on that day. And of course, that game ended up being played, uh, replayed behind closed doors on a neutral venue. And Nice, the, the home team that day, had a point deducted. And I think what's really, really sad, you just said it, the, the Olympico is a massive game in, in French football. Uh, there were 56,000 people at the, the stadium last night for that game. But a Sunday evening as well, and, and it's a school night and it's a cold night and all these people have come to watch a game of football and within about four minutes of the game starting, it stopped and doesn't restart again. And, and, and you have this situation now where Lyon are likely to, to face similar punishment to what Nice had, um, probably potential points deduction. The game, when it is played, will be played behind closed doors. All these fans who came will not get the chance to see it. And it's just it's just a spectacle ruined by one idiot throwing a, a bottle, which can, I mean, we were talking about this before, before we started recording. You think you might think a bottle, you know, a plastic bottle, how much damage can that do? But the fact is it absolutely wallops Dimitri Pyatt in the side of the head. Could have done him some real, real damage. And um, the logical decision, of course, was not to restart the game. I know that Jean-Michel Olas, the Lyon president, was speaking to Amazon Prime, the, the broadcaster here in France, uh, sitting next to their star pundit Thierry Henry and, and insisting that the game could have restarted because they arrested the individual involved and it was one guy acting on his own. But I think it, we, Thierry Henry insisted that we needed to, to, to send out a message and, and of course you do and ultimately the game can't really restart when somebody does that. It's just really sad yeah. to see because it should, have been, it should have been a great occasion. It's sad and the thing is Andy we can talk about one idiot but uh, first of all it, it, it's not because it's not the first time this has happened and second of all but you know before Pyatt was hit by the bottle. There were all sorts of things being thrown at him. And there was a corner, first corner of the game to Marseille after about 90 seconds. And uh, already there was a slight interruption because uh, cigarette lighters, it seems, and, and paper was being thrown down. Nothing hit Pyatt, but he walked away. The referee told everybody to calm down. And then he went back. So it's actually not just one individual. And, you know, that, that's also something we, we were saying. And if, I find it absolutely mind-boggling that, you know, people... Uh, 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 that stupid that they can see something that's happened in other games and thought, oh, that's a good idea. I wouldn't mind, you know, because this this wasn't happening last season that pe people no. were throwing things on, and it's like it's like people are, uh, uh, you know, doing these sort of copycat um, idiocies. Mm -hmm. But uh, but and Andreas, I, I want to bring you in. I mean, what what can you do? What needs to be done? I mean, that you know, we yeah, I, I guess we'll have some games behind closed doors. There's talk that they need to bring, you know, netting in to prevent things being thrown on from, from, from corners. I mean, something needs to be done, doesn't it? Well, it certainly does. And, and I mean, I agree with, with everything Andy says. I mean, it does seem to be something in France that throwing objects on the pitches, while it's not that serious, it is. It, it can be extremely serious. It could do damage to a player. Um, and echoing what Andy was saying, I think Terry Henry was saying, look, we just need a, a, a life ban, an immediate life ban, not a two-month ban, not a three-month ban. Uh, there's something to be said in that. I, I've witnessed a lot of crowd violence over the years in many countries. It's it's a very difficult thing to fix because this guy was, uh, who, incidentally, we should say the person who threw the bottle was was arrested at 9.15 and the League and Disciplinary Committee is meeting pretty much as we speak. Uh, it's very hard to cater for anyone who comes in and, and does that. But, um, you know, I, 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 first I should say I'm a big fan of Jean-Michel Olas. He's done an amazing job at Lyon. And, he, and, you know, what Lyon have done over 20, 25 years has been brilliant with with pushing young players through and playing some great football. But he didn't cover himself in any glory last night because he was talking about, well, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the referee changed his mind. And then he was saying that, well, there weren't any cameras in the Marseille dressing room. I mean, that really wasn't the way to go for Jean-Michel Olas, who uh, I say again, has been a fantastic president for Lyon over the years. 
but perhaps didn't deal with it too well last night. Of course, yeah, the game will be replayed. Uh, it will be behind closed doors. And we need to look again at the whole issue of security in stadia, which is very, very difficult. But it has been not fixed in some countries, but certainly made better. If you look at England, there seems to be far fewer problems, especially the idea of throwing objects on the pitch. It's a problem in France at the moment. Just just on the on the point about about exactly that, and, and you say that it is, I mean, I think we agree, it, sometimes it can be hard to stop one individual if they want to do something when you've got 56,000 people in the ground. But ultimately, the, the bottle shouldn't have uh, made it into the stadium. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming here the bottle was brought in. Perhaps it wasn't. Um, but a bottle like that, full of water, you know, should it be allowed into the ground in the first place? Often when we're on our way into the stadium and we're stopped by a steward and we're told that we can't bring this or that in and we think, come on, you know, but ultimately there is a reason for that. Um, and, and that's been shown last night. So these things need to be properly enforced. I know that there are concerns in France um, about the, the lack of stewarding, but people not wanting to be stewards, but a lack of training for stewards. So that's something that needs to be looked at as well. And I think also we, we do need to, to contemplate why this keeps happening when Marseille are involved. Now, I think probably one of the reasons is that Marseille are a massive club. They tend to play in the big games. Um, they tend to be a club who, it's a bit, I, mean, I come from Scotland, it's a bit like the old firm Rangers and Celtic. You either love them or you hate them. And I think in France, we have a little bit of that when it comes to Marseille. You either love them and they are the biggest club in France. Uh, I think we can probably agree they have the biggest support nationwide, but they're also loathed by people all around the country. So when Marseille comes to town, it creates this atmosphere. And of course, Dimitri Payet, let's not forget when it comes to Lyon, is a former Saint-Étienne player, so he's never going to be popular in these parts. But of course, none of that excuses uh, doing what happened last night and throwing a bottle at him in that way. So it, it's, it's yeah, I, I know we want to talk about the actual football as well. We're, we're, we're obliged to talk about this. It's on the front page of um, Le, Le Monde's website this morning. It's one of the main stories, which is kind of unheard of in France. Le Monde is usually talking about politics and other issues and leaves the football to l'équipe. Uh, it's on The Guardian, high up on The Guardian's website today. This is a story that resonates around Europe and around the world and, and for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, and just... Uh... A word about Dimitri Payet because the immediate uh, concern is 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 for him and should be for him and you know by all accounts he was in a pretty bad way in in, in the dressing room with ice on his on his head now hopefully the injury isn't isn't uh, isn't serious it was a, a glancing blow so hopefully he's okay but I mean I just I was trying to imagine what it must be like like playing in a football match where you're totally focused and you're you're coming across to take a corner and then you're starting to to fear for your safety and it's a second time. He's been hit, so I think psychologically, it's 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 really difficult for him. You mentioned the fact that he's a former Saint Etienne player. Why is he being targeted in particular? I mean, Lyon don't like Dimitri Payet. Lyon don't like Marseille. That rivalry has really been building over the last decade, and Payet has has stoked that rivalry with performances and also with things that he said. But uh, you know, I don't think he's ever you know, person. I don't think he's overstepped the mark. I've quite liked the way he's fought his corner um, in press conferences and stuff. And that's, you know, that's a, a real concern for, for me. And, you know, I'm not saying it would be better if it was a less talented player who'd been hit, but we're talking about, you know, one of the most gifted players in Liga. He's been absolutely brilliant this season. And yeah, I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay physically and mentally and that he wants to carry on playing in, in, in Liga Uber Eats because I wouldn't necessarily, you know, blame him or, you know, if he said, well, actually, I've had enough of this, you know, I've had enough of being a target for these, for these, for these idiots. So Unless you guys have something you absolutely want to say, I think we'll move on to the football. I think we've uh, we've we've covered that. We've covered that. Let's talk. Let's go to the Parc des Princes, where 
where it was pretty lively as well, actually, <laughs> in the stands. But we had a good game of football. That's the most important thing. PSG played Nantes on Saturday afternoon. Andy Scott was there to see if Lionel Messi could perhaps get his first Ligue 1 goal. Let's hear what happened. Well, it was Neymar initially with some excellent play on the left-hand side. Nantes appeared to clear the danger. And then the shot comes fizzing in from uh, Leandro Paredes. It's helped on its way by Mbappe. All forwards looking for Ludovic Blas. Navas has come away out of his box here. And uh, Keylor Navas, reckless. It's a red card. Goodness me, what was he thinking? Well, I saw one for Ludovic Blas. It wasn't as heavy a collision as it might have been. I think Blas did well to largely avoid the contact, but... Keylor Navas coming, flying out, and uh, asking for trouble. Navas balling is a fine ball, and it might be turned into the second attempt by Kulimwani. Now then, yes, it's a goal. The referee signals. Goal line technology tells him that ball did cross the line. Contam Merlin with a superb delivery. Sergio Rico saving initially, but what about that for a finish from Kulimwani? Fed through by Paredes for Messi. Messi looking for Bernat, and it's a horrible and quite remarkable own goal that gets Paris Saint-Germain back in front here. Absolutely incredible. Alban Lafont beating all ends up. And, uh, but what do you say about that? Uh, Lionel Messi trying to feed the pass through for Bernat. It was Denis Appiah with the interception somehow succeeding in sending that ball looping over his goalkeeper Lafont, who was off his line and into the net. And the ten men lead by two goals to one. Picked up by Paredes. Kylian Mbappe. Messi again, this time maybe Messi's done it! There's the goal at last in Liga for Lionel Messi. And the Parc des Princes, the fans here are on their feet all around us. It's the moment that they've been waiting for for weeks and weeks. There have been uh, three goals in the Champions League before today, but he hadn't yet managed to find the net in Ligue 1. Well, Andy, um, he did it. Lionel Messi got got his goal. It was the goal that made it 3-1. Um, again, so often this season, we've you know we're kind of saying the same thing with PSG. They've they've they, they've had a fright. They they found it quite difficult. I actually, thought on Saturday they played a bit better than they than they have in the past they were one up at half time it could have been could have been more than one so you know all in all they did it the hard way but probably a deserved win yeah i think so um albon lafon the nantes goalkeeper and captain was probably the the man of the match actually because he made um, no fewer than four very important saves in the first half uh, to to keep the score down and keep them in the game and and of course they nearly ended up coming away with something psg played some really good stuff actually in the first half an hour actually you, it, it, I mean, I was at the Parc de France and, and um, 
we knew before the game that there were going to be scenes in in the ground at the the Otoy end of the stadium, which is usually the rowdiest uh, and uh, part of the stadium where the atmosphere is really generated. And they were um, marking the occasion because it was uh, the 30th anniversary of the sort of creation of this. Um, I don't know what you call it, really. The sort of um, the, the, the 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 supporters groups gathering at that end of the stadium and creating this atmosphere. They're marking their 30th birthday, and so they decided to 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 30 minutes into the game to light some flares and um, really kind of make it make it very noisy and and all the rest of it. And that led that almost kind of. Um, took the sting out of the way PSG were playing because the the the, the smoke from the flares started to waft across the pitch and uh, there was actually from my position in the stand I couldn't see Keylor Navas for a, for a few moments so he was at that end of the ground the PSG goalkeeper because of the the, the extent of the smoke and I think that it just Andy kind of... he, was, he, 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 he was sent off maybe that was why you couldn't see him <laughs> well the, but but so that kind of knocked PSG for six and 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 then into the second half not came back into the game and and then you had that incident. Keylor Navas, uh, a rush of blood to the head, coming out of his of his box and, and being sent off for a, a foul on Ludovic Blas, uh, which was the logical decision, and then not go the equaliser. And and at that point, you did kind of think that this actually could end up in, in, in a repeat of last season when not um, won at the Parc des Princes. But Messi came, Messi stepped up, and and he he was um, he was the creator, I suppose, if you like, of the own goal. It was his pass which uh, which was turned into his own net by the very unlucky Dennis Appiah. If you've not seen that own goal, then check it out because it's incredibly unfortunate. And then and then a, a textbook Messi goal to make it three one. So in the end, a deserved win for PSG and lots of positives for them from the game. Messi's first goal in Ligue 1, his fifth start, um, and I'm sure there'll be plenty more to come from him. And I think that you know, I think the. The, the, there are more positives than negatives, put it that way, for once for PSG. Because I think often when they win games, and I've been saying it this season, they win games, but they're not convincing. And, you know, is this enough? Do we need more? When, you, when you're beating Angers 2-1 with a late goal for, for, for a team like PSG, is that enough? Maybe it's not, but ultimately they are uh, so far clear in Ligue 1. And I think that the, there were signs about the way they played on Saturday, which suggests that they can give Manchester City a real game in the Champions League um, away in England this week. And of course, that's an important game for them because they want to win the group. And um, if they're going to win the group, then they need to win in Manchester. So, um, yeah, I think I think lots of positives this time for PSG. Andreas, uh, Kylian Mbappe, is he the best player in the world at the moment? Because for my money, he is. And, you know, I, I admit I don't watch every single player, but I mean, he is just extraordinary at the moment. He's amazing at the moment. I don't, I don't know if you saw Habib Bay talking over the weekend and he was just saying people don't realise that he is just dragging the team through these matches. And, you know, Neymar and Messi are getting a lot of media, but it really is about Mbappe. He scored after 100 seconds, which I believe is his fastest ever goal professionally. And he was brilliant in, in the first half. I think that's as well as I've seen PSG play apart from, you know, only scoring one goal. And as Andy says, Lafont was a mate. I mean, there was about one save from... Messi, you might remember, it was point-blank range from about 10 metres. And, you know, Lafont is a good, a big guy, uh, but it's superb save, brilliant reactions. Um, and I, I noticed when Messi, Neymar and Bapper were coming up in the, in the second half, they were, like, smiling, and it was almost like, well, how, how, many, how many are we going to score in the second half? Who's going to score most goals? Uh, then there was that, that incident with Navas, who I can only imagine was so bored, because I don't think he had a touch before then, just rushing out... Um, diving into Blas and, and, and that really did change things. And for 10 minutes, I wouldn't say PSG were rocking, but what was good for them is they got some some um, some defending practice, which has always been my comment, really, is that when they go and play Manchester City, suddenly they 
they have to defend and, and they really never have to in Liga, not in that way. So they took Neymar off. Uh, a good little exercise for them, I thought. None played okay between like about 70 to 80 minutes. Uh, then the two goals that Andy was talking about. So I think it was a, a, a very good exercise for PSG overall. Um, and a quick word about Lafon because th- there was some talk, wasn't there, a couple of weeks ago about oh, there's not enough French goalkeepers coming through and what, what's going to happen when Loris retires. Lafon hasn't really been talked about too much, but I- I've seen a bit of him and I've always been very impressed with Lafon. I know he's played at, at youth level, but he- he's definitely one to look out for over the next few years. He-, he was superb, especially in that first half and not responsible for any of the three goals. So a, a quick word for him and, and Nantes have got a very yeah. good goalkeeper. I-, I-, I wanted to to say something about Alba and Lafon because he's... Uh... He, I mean, he, he came through when he was 16, 17. He was playing for, for Toulouse and he was actually, funny enough, it was a similar time that Donnarumma was coming through uh, in, in, in Italy and they were talked about as the, the next great goalkeepers of the modern game. And uh, Lafont had, um, you know, a slightly kind of, uh, his progress was, uh, was, was slowed down. He went to Fiorentina, he's come back to France and his uh, first season at Nantes wasn't, wasn't brilliant. But, you know, he's the captain of the club now. He's 22 He's really mature, uh, more than 200 top flight games already. And, and you're right. I mean, this season, he looks like he is, he's hitting a really, really high level. And he was, he was brilliant at, at, at the Parc des Princes. Andy? No, yeah, just, just on Alban Lafont, actually, as well. I think one thing that, uh, I mean, again, I say this every time. I'm sure people who are listening know, know they follow French football and they know lots about it already. But uh, maybe if you don't know, I think it's quite interesting about Alban Lafont, who was born in Burkina Faso. His mother is a government minister in Burkina Faso, which which I think is well, it is unusual. But having said that, Timothy Weah, who plays for Lille, his his dad, of course, is the president of Liberia, so um, must be something in the water. But yeah, I thought that's quite interesting with Alban Lafon. I agree. I think there's got to be every chance that he will be making his way into the, the France squad in the in the months and years to come, perhaps even in time for the World Cup, because um, I know Benoit Costil has been hanging on in there and getting a, a call back up uh, into the squad as a third choice goalkeeper. But with Steve Mandanda not playing much for Marseille now, I think there is a place up for grabs. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Lafont um, takes there's that a, spot. Yeah, there's a changing of the guard happening, I think, because Loris, Loris will play the World Cup, but you know he's kind of on his way towards the exit door. Mandanda costs still, like, like you say. So I think Mike Mignon and, and one or two other young young goalkeepers. Why not Alban Lafont? Just a last thing about PSG, Andres. I, I want to ask about... Navas, because you know, you said maybe he was he he was just a bit bored, didn't have much to do. But is is that rush of blood to the head that he had? Does that happen if he hasn't got this kind of competition with Donnarumma? I, because I, I'm just wondering, like, if it's also I don't know, like trying to trying to get involved when he didn't need to to get involved. And does Don, Donnarumma start against against City on Wednesday? I think it's it's a fascinating debate this having two number ones and they've got two goalkeepers who are in the top 10 in the world maybe the top five in the world maybe he feels somewhere in the back of his head I have to prove something and he he didn't even have to come out for that ball because I think Diallo pretty much had it covered I I, I would have expected a save but it wasn't like it was a clear goal coming so it wasn't if he had to come out Um, maybe he thought look I'm going to show exactly what I can do Um, and he's he's a very experienced goalkeeper now so it, it was a really strange thing to do Who's going to start? Well, Donnarumma's had this, this stomach problem, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Navas starts again, but it might just be a, a slight mark against him when the big matches come in spring and Pochettino has to decide, look, I've got two fit goalkeepers. Who do I play? 
Um, it might be forgotten in the long term. We should say, though, Sergio Rico pulled up a couple of really good saves as well. So they've actually got three very good goalkeepers. But it, it, it's a fascinating battle, you're right, between those two, how that will develop over the next few months. Yeah. And it, it was also because because this, this is you said it was an important defensive exercise for PSG, and it should be pointed out that um, neither Marquinhos nor Presnel Kimpembe were fit enough to... Well, Marquinhos was rested, really, after being away on, on World Cup qualifying duty with Brazil. But neither Marquinhos nor Kimpembe was playing um, so it, it will be a different look to the to the defence, um, even if, regardless of who starts in goal, um, the, the centre-back period will be different for the Manchester City game, because on, on Saturday it was Tilo Kehrer and Abdou Diallo. Yeah, and one thing we should say is Burnout, who I thought was very good. I don't know what you thought, Andy. Burnout was excellent at the weekend coming back from injury. He can't play because he's not registered for, for the Champions League, so it will be a new-look defence. Um, it's going to be, a, obviously, a very, very tough game against Manchester City, but... Um, it, uh, to me, it, it, is, it is all about Mbappe. I think he can really trouble Man City. He's exactly the kind of player they don't like to play against on the counter-attack. And I think PSG have, have got a very reasonable chance of getting a winner at Man City. It's going to be a great match. It is going to be fascinating because you, you'd assume that Neymar, Messi, Mbappe start and PSG are going to have to work really hard, aren't they? Because City are going to have a, a lot of the ball, you would assume. Andy, just... Uh, I want to I want to throw this one to you because there's been so much talk in in the last couple of days. There's going to be focus on Maurizio Pochettino. Um, according to Sky Sports in the UK, he is the favourite for the Manchester United job and is apparently open to taking it. These are reports from from the UK. Certainly nothing that's that's coming out of France. He's under contract at, at Paris Saint Germain, but there is also a feeling that he has been frustrated. There is a feeling that a lot of people aren't particularly happy with. The job he is doing it's 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 a strange job, a, a different job, isn't it? Because mm. as he's been trying to explain, he doesn't have the sort of scope to start a project and to start molding a team in his own image. Because PSG have to win, they have to win immediately, and 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 he's got players that he can't necessarily remold. You can't start explaining to Lionel Messi, you know, how you want to play my 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 pressing game. But there's <laughs> going to be a, you know there's going to be a focus on on Poch on Wednesday, isn't there? Well, um, yeah, there will be, of course, um, after Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's sacking. That's that's inevitable because I think one of the things, not that we're here to talk about Manchester United, but one of the things that's interesting about them is that they they have perhaps made a mess of the timing of the decision to sack Solskjaer. So perhaps a few weeks ago, they could have got Antonio Conte and now obviously they can't. Um, and Pochettino is, is an obvious name for observers of English football. Oh, he's a big name, did well at Tottenham. Get him back to the Premier League because the Premier League is is all that matters now. We know that's not the case, and 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 he's come to PSG, and and he, you know, he, I think he's got a job he wants to do at PSG. Um, whether he'll be uh, in Paris much longer remains to be seen. Uh, I'd be surprised if he left uh, now or any time in the in the coming weeks, but you know, he might not last much beyond uh, the end of this season. I think that, you know, I think there was an interesting interview with him in in L'Equipe, um, uh, on Friday or Thursday. It was. Where he talked about the project, and, and you touched on that, and and um, I, I subsequently read a, a sort of um, um, how, how would you call it? Well, an, an analysis of that interview, Le Parisien, another of the big newspapers here, where they kind of said, well, it's interesting that Pochettino said that uh, he's had to adapt to PSG rather than be able to get the team to adapt to him, and 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 the way that usually a coach might come in and try to really stamp their their methods on the club, and he's felt that he can't do that, and that it was almost. Uh, Le Parisien suggesting that it was almost a, 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 an, a, um, an admission of weakness and an, an admission that he wasn't entirely happy in Paris. Now, that may or may not be true. I think it was interesting that, that they that they had that take on it. And I think that we can all agree that Pochettino 
is not quite himself in Paris in the way that maybe he was when he was in charge of Tottenham. I just feel that there's something that's not quite right about him. Maybe that will change. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it depends on results. And he keeps saying this, you know, that he can't, he'd love them to be winning 5-0 every week, but they do have to prioritise winning over playing great football. The problem is at PSG, you have to do both. Yeah, it, it was a fascinating interview, which is not always the case. And I think there's a, a language element as well. You're, you're, you're a Spanish speaker, aren't you, Andy? I think the, the, the interview is done mainly in Spanish, translated, which could be an issue. But I found it interesting because it, it, it was a candid interview. He said, look, I'm not coming here with a project, as Matt said. There's a project here already. Um, it might be different from Manchester United. How much, how much power will he get at Old Trafford? But on the other hand, look at that first 11 he's got. I mean, do you really need a project? He's, to me, he's got the best starting 11 in the world. He wants to win a Champions League. It, will he have a better chance this year? I, I, I'd be really surprised if he leaves this season. If he can get that first 11 fit, or even most of that first 11 fit, they're, they're the favourites to win the Champions League, especially if they wrap up league and quite early. Um, on the other hand, though, there's the fact that his, I think his wife's still living in London. He's living in a hotel in, in, in Paris, which maybe is not that unusual for footballers. It would be unusual <laughs> for any of us on this call, but it, it, it's going to be like, Sounds like an ideal setup to me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think he'll stay. It, it, it was, he was very candid and said, Look, I'm not going to change this, the, the direction of this super tanker that is PSG. But on the other hand, you know, does he really need to change that much? It's about managing the personalities in the dressing room and getting the best out of what is a fantastic squad. The the, the the issue of who is the PSG manager is, of course, a very interesting one. And, and I know that there have been some rumblings in Spain in the last um, 24 hours uh, regards, regarding Pochettino and a possible move to Old Trafford. There have been suggestions that, that Manchester United actually want or wanted Zinedine Zidane, who, of course, is not currently managing a team. But there are also suggestions that maybe PSG would quite like to have Zidane at some point in the not-too-distant future. And of course, a lot of people do think that Zidane, given what he did at Real Madrid, would be the perfect man to manage this PSG team. So, you know, a, a, a collection of stars that don't necessarily need to be taught to press, do this, do that. They just need to be um, mollycoddled in the right way so they can go out and win games. And, and certainly Zidane achieved that in Madrid. And maybe in the medium to long term, he would be a, an interesting choice for Paris Saint-Germain. But I think we can all agree that Pochettino is not going anywhere just yet. Listen, as, as long as Manchester United stay well clear of Franquez, leave him alone, <laughs> let, let him get on with his work at, uh, at Lens. That's what I reckon. Uh, you're, you're listening to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. The pod that always welcomes your feedback, League One podcast at gmail.com is our email. You can use the hashtag as well on Twitter. Le Bourgeois, it's time for Deja Who. Um, if you think you know the answer to this one, do get in touch. Just uh, last week's, uh, the answer was Seydou Keita. Uh, the clue was, I followed in the footsteps of my Ligue 1 title winning uncle by starting my career in France. I began in the south, headed to Brittany, where I won a Coupe de France, but really caught the eye in the north. I was most successful in Spain, where I was part of one of the greatest teams of all time. Well, quite a few people got that. Frenchie, James Cathy, Gabriel Haganeda, although he says my first thought was Eric Abidal. Paul Thomas Clay got it. Davor T. Davor says, speaking of Lance, does anybody else think they can uh, last the whole season and sneak into the UCL places? Bad result. Very bad result. Surprising. 4-0 defeat away to Brest. Uh, well done to Brest. Lance uh, slipping out of the top three after, after that uh, scoreline. Uh, Xavier Mejido from Miami also got the correct answer. So this week's Deja Who clue. Here we go. 
As my name suggests, I was eligible to play for Poland, but I was born in northern France. I started at my hometown club and featured for two other Ligue 1 sides winning back-to-back Coupe de France at one before playing for the arch-rivals of my hometown club. I spent the final six years of my career in England playing for four clubs, three in the north and with one that has the same nickname as one of the French teams that I played for. Gosh, 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 that sounds very tricky, uh, producer Ian, but uh, if you do know the answer, get in touch, league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag Le Bourgeois or even the hashtag Deja Who on Twitter, we will find your answers. Andy, Andreas, you, you both you both know I just, I just... I just had to. I just had to look at the uh, the clues again, and the the one name that I could think of was was the one. So I wouldn't say any more than that. I, I personally, I think that's. I, I wouldn't say easy, but yeah, I think I, I think I would have got it. Let's hear um, a little bit more commentary. I was lucky enough to be commentating Ren against Montpellier. This was on Saturday night. Ren had the opportunity to go second. Um, they were 10 matches unbeaten before this one. Here's what happened. Martin to Traore. Meyer inviting the right back on. Good cross from Hammery Traore and a lovely header from Terrier. Martin Terrier picks out the top corner and Ren off to a flying start again. And the international break doesn't seem to have. Uh, Slowed Stand Rene down. Lovely cross from the skipper Hamari Traore. Still so much to do for Terrier. And he has uh, timed this header beautifully. The goalkeeper does not move. Good slick passing again from Ren Terrier. And now Truffert. He's got Flaviante outside him. Here is Flaviante in the box. Lovely little uh, cutback from Tay. That is brilliant. Ren double their lead. Thanks to Lovro Meyer. And thanks to some wonderful football involving Flaviante and Gaeta Laborde. It's Meyer's first league on goal. What about this, though, from Flaviante? He sold a dummy to Junior Sambia, stood it up to Laborde. Cool as you like. Laborde nodding it. Back across the six-yard box, and Mayer had a relatively simple task. Well, as you can probably tell um, by the enthusiasm of, of my commentary, that was uh, a superb performance from from Stad Rene. Those uh, the two goals they got in the first half were just sensational. Um, after the sending off of Teji Savanier, as I sort of feared at halftime, I did think uh, this could be a bit of a dull second half, and it. It, it was a bit of a non-event because uh, Montpellier just sort of defended and Ren 2-0 up, coasted really. They did hit the post twice, Flaviante and uh, Gaetan Laborde. Laborde should have really had a had a goal, although his overhead kick against the post was, was, was superb. That would have been a, a great goal. But, I mean, guys, is there a team in France playing better football than Ren at the moment? Because uh, if you can find me one, I'd be surprised. Andy? I don't think so. I mean, I think the the, the numbers um, are very impressive. It's six wins and two draws in their last eight league games. They're unbeaten in 11 matches in all competitions. Uh, I, I think I, I can remember we talked about them back in September after they lost 2-0 away at Marseille. That's the last defeat. So you, you're going back two months. 
And at the time, we were saying that, well, Bruno Genesio is going to have to get this right fairly soon because Ren invested an awful lot of money in the close season. Uh, but €80 million Euros was it the, the, the total spend um, before you take into account any money brought in from sales. It's a lot of money. And obviously, Gaetan Laborde was uh, a big arrival just before the transfer deadline. Um, he, he came in after the season started, but Bruno Genesio has not had much time. But to be fair to him, he's managed to get this team playing together. He got Lovro Meyer now, the, the Croatian in, playing some playing very well and got a goal at the weekend. Um, I think they're they're great fun to watch. I think they're finally fulfilling their potential. And it's a club which has had great potential for years and years and years. And it's it's good to see them competing towards the top of the table. I mean, I think that given the the issues that some of the other teams up there have had recently, Lens obviously losing heavily at the weekend, a third straight away defeat for them. Marseille, uh, leaving aside what happened in the Olympico, have only won two of the last 11 games. So there's an opportunity there for Rennes to cement their place in the top three. It's, it's a club which, which has the infrastructure and the capability to be playing and um, competing for Champions League qualification. So I think it's great to see. And I think that uh, I fully agree. I think that they are playing brilliant stuff at the moment. I think they're the form team in France. And um, yeah, long may it continue. And they, yeah, they spent a lot of money, but it looks like it's been spent well. I think 15 million euros on, on Laborde is 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 a good investment. Uh, they spent a lot on Loic Bade, didn't they? Who's had a bit of a shaky start, 17 million euros. He looked he looked solid. Didn't have too much to do again against Montpellier, but played well. And you mentioned Love Romea. I mean, this guy, he could be the real deal. He really could. He he looks just like such a fluid technical midfield player and. After having uh, you know injury problems at the start of the season, he started the last two and has been absolutely brilliant. And what I would say as well um, is that they have depth because Jeremy Doku came on. That was his first appearance since August. So he's back from injury now. And uh, that was the last thing that the Montpellier defenders wanted to see, Doku coming on for the last five minutes. And it was hilarious. He was so up for it. He was sprinting up and down the left. Um, Kamaldine Suleimana as well wasn't... Uh, wasn't risked uh, having been away on international duty. So, I mean, Andreas, when you consider you've got those two, uh, you know, absolutely electric wingers to bring in. Uh, last week, I was saying Ren can finish top three. This time, I'm going to say top two. I, I agree. They're playing really entertaining football. Meyer looks like a bargain. He hasn't played too much. And what's going to be interesting is he's still a he's a bit of a novelty in Liga, Meyer. But and, and once other teams look at him a bit more, it'll be interesting to see if they can stop him, but he's, he's a really talented player. They've got Laborde who knows all about scoring goals in Liga. They've got a coach who knows Liga inside out. I, I would definitely put their top three prospects ahead of the, like the big, bigger clubs like Marseille and Lyon. I, I, I agree. I think they're very much a team that will do well this year and especially their home form. They're just a fortress at home. Uh, they've beaten PSG. So yeah, it's good, good times for Ren ahead, I think. Well, they were only second for uh, a little bit less than, than 24 hours because Nice came from behind away to Clermont. Uh, they were struggling. They were losing. Augier scored for Clermont and uh, Guiri. I mean, Guiri got two late goals for Nice. Um, big win for Christophe Galtier's team, having lost actually their, their previous game against Montpellier. So Nice up to second. They'll be happy with life at the moment. Um, two other teams hoping for a top three finish, but kind of struggling to click into gear still, uh, Monaco and Lille. They played each other on, uh, when was this one? Friday night. David Crossan um, was down on the Côte d'Azur where he likes to spend uh, as much time as possible and he commentated Monaco against Lille. 
Lille without a win in their last four league and games could really do with the three points here. David beats the goalkeeper Newbel and scores his ninth of the season. He's the top scorer in the division. And Lille lead 1-0 on Monaco's national day. A very confident penalty from a man in form. That's an excellent ball. David's been released in behind. David looking to make it 10 and does move into double figures. Two goals in quick-fire time from Jonathan David. Starting a game for the first time after an international window this season. Monaco caught out as David got in behind and he just doesn't miss at the moment. Diata. Diata shoots and scores. And Monaco have a way back into this game thanks to their Senegalese international. Marginal improvement from Monaco in recent minutes and Diata has his first of the season and only the second league goal of his Monaco career. Could be a chance here and it's in. Inevitably, it's Wissam Ben Yedder for the 10 men of Monaco. It's the Monaco number 10 with his seventh of the season. So sharp in front of goal. The old volant Ben Yedder combination. It was Monaco's strength last season. We've not seen enough of it this campaign. Ben Yedder beating Grivich at the near post. And it's Monaco 2, Lille 2. Andy, uh, Lille getting off to a, a brilliant start. And ultimately, they'll be disappointed because uh, Monaco uh, were down to 10 men. It was still 2-1 to Lille. But Wissam Ben Yedder, um, perhaps ominously, shall I say ominously, uh, Voland and, and Ben Yedder combining. It's what we've been missing at Monaco so far this season but perhaps now they're going to click into gear yeah maybe I think I think what's what's um disappointing in a way about about this game well I mean it, it, you know the, these two teams is that they're just not having the season that we that we hoped that they might and certainly in the case of I think we all thought Lille would would have difficulties defending the title this season I think we expected a bit more from Monaco um and a, a great fight back from them in the circumstances but it's just not quite happening, and and to have these two teams both sitting in mid table is 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 I think a bit of a, a disappointment. It's obviously good for a club like Ren, who are, who are you know um, flying high, and for Nice as well. But uh, I think we expected more from them this season, from from Monaco in particular. And I think um, for Lille, it's a big week coming up in the Champions League. Obviously, they put themselves in a very good position actually in their group, and I suppose that. Um, even if they they probably knew they weren't going to defend their title successfully this season, even if they wanted to be doing better than they are, but I think um, they they would have been really determined this season to make more of an impression in the Champions League. So when they had that result in Seville a few weeks ago, that has given them a chance of qualifying for the last sixteen. I think it's a chance that they've got to take now, and I think um, one real bright spot for them this season is is Jonathan David, who is uh, scoring goals for fun at the moment. And um, yeah, I think fingers crossed for them in, in the Champions League uh, this midweek. And I, I just, I just think that maybe there's there is obviously more to come from them in the league. And I think that it is still tight up ahead. I think there's still a chance for these two teams to to climb up the league on table. But for the moment, it's it's a, a little bit frustrating to see them both sitting where they are. Yeah, Lille down in in twelfth. Uh, they're only two points behind Monaco, who are eighth. Strasbourg are, are seventh. They're only two points uh, above Lille as well. But um, 
Yeah, Andreas, you know, it's 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 obviously disappointing, but at the same time, it's so close. I'll just go through the top five, at least. PSG, 37 points. Nice, so they're way behind. 11 points, the lead PSG have. Nice have 26. Rennes, 25. Lens, 24. Marseille, 23. They've got a game in hand now. Um, Angers were, were victorious at the weekend. They won 1-0 against Lorient. Um so they're going, they're going very nicely indeed. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, Andres, is it just a case of you know the Champions League being one distraction too many for Lille at the moment? Well, they maybe don't have a, a big enough squad to to fight on both fronts because they didn't after winning the league last year. You know, they, they didn't really push on in terms of recruitment. Um, I mean, David, yeah, he's had a very good season, but for me, they're really over dependent on him. I don't know the proportion of goals he scored for Lille this year, but it's very, very high. I mean, he's a top scorer for Lille and they're not exactly scoring a lot of goals. So it, they really do need some goals from different parts of the pitch. I somehow think Monica have got a bit more potential, um, especially with the front two you mentioned, um, I, to, to kick on and they've, they've got a coach who knows how to win at the top level. So it is strange. It's strange to see certainly Lille mid-table. Last few years, they've either been pushing for the title or, or avoiding relegation. But um, two teams that definitely fit into the category of, of, of should be doing better. Okay, thank you, Andreas Evagora, Ligue 1 commentator and general uh, general good guy, Arsenal <laughs> fan. Great to have him on. Other results, by the way, uh, at the weekend. Strasbourg won, Reims won. Belgarde in the last second, scoring a free kick for Strasbourg. Uh, Saint-Etienne won, uh, 1-0 away to Troyes. That's a, a second straight victory for Claude Puel's team. They can't stop winning, having gone uh, 12 without a victory. Uh, Mets 3, Bordeaux 3, Bordeaux kicking themselves as they let it slip uh, away to Mets. And um, yeah, that is it as far as the results are concerned. We're going to look ahead now to next weekend. Um, It's time for the Bon Voyage. Andreas, by the way, it means, yeah, we have to choose where we want to go in France. You can't pick Mauritius or or anywhere like that unless, you know, there is a Ligue 1 reason to go. So I don't know if, if you've got a league on player on loan in Guadeloupe or something and you want to go, then I might, I might let you. But uh, let's uh, have a quick look ahead to next weekend. I can tell you off the top of my head that PSG are playing away to Saint-Étienne. That is the early Sunday kickoff at one o'clock. Um, Lens against Angers gets the round 15 action underway on Friday night. Lille against Nantes on Saturday. Nice against Metz. That is Saturday night. The big Sunday night clash, Marseille versus Troyes. We don't have any big, big matchups. We do have a Breton derby, Lorient against uh, Rennes on Sunday afternoon. Let's go on a bon voyage and uh, let's see where Andy Scott wants to go next weekend. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, um, well, listen, I think um, given that it's going to be... well, it's going to start getting very cold this week. I'm going to go west to Brittany because it's usually not quite as cold um, in Brittany as, as it can be elsewhere in France. It's usually wet, so a bit of rain, why not? Uh, I think the, the derby between Lorient and Rennes will be a good game. Obviously, we talked about Rennes, the form that they're in, 11 unbeaten in all competitions. In contrast, Lorient have uh, not won in about seven games after losing at the weekend. They're usually better at home, and they'll be at home in, in this one. It's um, very much a local derby in Brittany, and uh, that is where I fancy going. Fair enough. You've taken, yeah, you've taken one of one of one of the nice ones away. Andreas, what about yourself? I have no doubt at all. I want to go to cold, chilly Saint Etienne. It's I have been Saint Etienne in, in November. It does get really cold, gets damp, 
Um, sort of, sort of Scottish-like weather, if, if I dare say, Andy. But it's going to be a, a wonderful atmosphere. They got some of the best fans <laughs> in France. PSG might be there for the taking after a trip to to Manchester. You never know. Um, and Claude Puel, you know, he, he's got a bit of history against PSG. Knows how to beat them. He'll be up for it. And as you say, Saint-Étienne getting in a bit of form. So I think that's going to be one really to look out for, Saint-Étienne PSG. Yes, yes. Could be interesting. Should be interesting. I'm going to go to Lens. I'm going to go to the Stade Félix Bollard for the first game because I just can't wait to see more to more <laughs> Ligue 1 Uber Eats action. Um, and it's always brilliant. Always a great atmosphere. Angers playing playing quite well. We've got an interview this week, actually. Armel's going to be heading to Angers to see Mohamed Ali show the 17-year-old prodigy. So uh, it's always exciting to watch him as well. Um Show, not Armel. But um, yeah, still trying to convince Armel to come back onto the pod, by the way. We're going to go because Andy has got the boiler man coming round and uh, the weather is getting cold. So we don't want Andy getting a getting a chill over the coming days. But exactly. thank you. Thank you, Andy Scott. Thank you, Andreas Evagora. Thank you, above all, to you, the listeners, for, uh, for tuning in. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Le Bourgeois. Until then, au revoir. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Delivery again. Duzzi's header. He's a clinical finisher of Gadius Milik. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. A goal back. Oh, Benyera. Beautifully done. Sensational.